Hey everybody and welcome back to Link to the Cast, your weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera available everywhere good podcasts are sold. I'm your party host, Dave Ryan, and I'm joined by my full complement of co-hosts this week. First, he's the platforming prodigy returning from assignment. It's Mark Robinson. Mark, how are you this week? I'm good, just very upset I missed out on the Limp Bizkit track from last week. <laughs> I was gonna say, by God, is that Mark Robinson's music? I was gonna say, do we get entrance music now? Because I need, I need to stop the show right now and go and pick a song. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty good. I'm in my new office space, and it's wonderful. And I'm uh, the only thing I need is a new office chair uh, in the worst way possible. But you know, that's a work in progress. And I'm thinking about maybe bolting up some. Uh, some soundproof panels and stuff as well but I, I got looking to see like how much that might destroy these walls that i don't own so uh yeah well, otherwise also, pretty good we're also in november so those big amazon black friday deals are going to start coming up yeah they are and i've got like 50 quid uh 50 50 euros worth of vouchers to use so that could be a good time yeah I, I should send you the link to the chair I got. Oh, uh, please do. Which I thoroughly recommend if it does go on sale that you can keep an eye out. Please do. Um, yeah, fully recommended there. This is the this is the age we're all at. Chair chat. <laughs> it was a comfortable chair. I, I had this conversation with uh, our, our friend and former co-host of the show, Brian, last night. Where he was talking about how it's a shame that chair technology hasn't evolved to uh, find a couch that's suitable for old men to fall asleep on and not get a, like a crick in your neck when you wake up from. <laughs> <laughs> Brian is are, like the youngest 65-year-old I've ever met. That is yeah. scarily accurate, I have to say. It's, it, yeah. it's something that's, that's, that's common across a bunch of friends of mine as well, because I used to describe when we were in school, my buddy, I don't think you ever met him, Jack, but my buddy Tom, who Mark knows very well, as the, the world's oldest 16-year-old when we were in. <laughs> when we were in school we all used to be coming in oh we were talking about video games or movies or music or women or whatever and fucking tom rocks in talking about how you've been up since six foot and turf <laughs> <laughs> oh man <laughs> it's good stuff i still feel like um, mark's granddad is the oldest 16 year old i've ever met yeah <laughs> just in sensibilities terms absolute burial machine yeah as well. yeah in some ways um i I wish some of his mentality and um, uh, some of the things in his uh, views in life were that of a current day 16 year old and not, you know, where he's at these days. But uh, mm. as the old saying goes, you reach a point and everyone turns into a Tory once you're mm. old enough. But um, yeah, he's he's a card, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as Father Ted once said, it's funny how you get more right wing as you get older. Yeah. Um, you heard that other voice on the line it's the Roman Reigns of Audio the head of the table Jacques Lazelle how are you friend? <laughs> that's what you've gone for as entrance music <laughs> listen listen here right you leave the wonderful pipes of Natalie and Brulia out of your shit talk that is a stone cold classic right there no i was just like what's the funniest thing i could find on my phone like really quickly <laughs> what dave was yeah. talking i was just like oh that's really funny dave scroll 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 um, don't like what was the last thing you had listening to on youtube on youtube on youtube um it would have been american football earlier at work i usually put on something that's like good ambient stuff oh, to go I'll in the background of meetings 
I'll tell you what, Jack, you, your entrance music could be the Monday Night Football team would be great. We were talking off air about those things that, like when you have a realization that kind of shatters your perception of a thing. And the day that I found out that uh, Torn was a cover. Yeah. Couldn't get over it. I know. Yeah. So I, it just obviously been like circulating around and. Uh, someone had recorded it ages ago and like I think they offered it to a few other people or whatever but I think the person that recorded it was a person that tried to sell it to someone else or a couple of yeah. other artists and just did their own version and then yeah boom yeah. all See, of a sudden my, my, my thing for that was I didn't know for years that the uh, the F1 theme was obviously like the last bit of The Chain by Fleetwood Mac um, so many many years later as I was getting into music and you know I was like okay cool Fleetwood Mac that's a band I need to listen to and it gets to that bit in the chain and the bass kind of kicks in and suddenly I'm five years old again watching Michael Schumacher. Uh, 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 and, and you can just hear Murray Walker like, go, 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 yeah, like in yeah. the background, yeah. I do, dude, I think my dad was like spinning rumours by Fleetwood Mac at some point when I was a single digit age. Um, <laughs> You're going to say that your dad was spreading rumours about Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> <laughs> Probably was. Have you heard? Lindsay Buckingham's a real cat. No, but uh, yeah. Big, I, I, big Dan is in the know. Exactly. So I'll tell you something about that Stevie Nicks <laughs> uh, no, but <laughs> I had the same. You've really set it up that your dad is the hitcher from my image. <laughs> like whenever, whenever you do an impression of your dad, that's all I think of. And the best thing is, if I do in front of you, oh, don't say all that. <laughs> <laughs> that almost went Michael Caine there for a second. <laughs> the thing, I think the most like Cockney sort of like Essexy thing he does is just drops H's off all the. Uh, uh, <laughs> everything and he does do it like it, it, do you I, know what oh, I will say you are very close with it because I have heard your, I never met your dad I haven't had the pleasure yet hopefully someday but uh, the the first time I heard his voice was on a, a birthday message for Mark and it is fairly bang on in fairness <laughs> I, yeah. I really wish I, I, that like ahead. we had your dad Jack and my granddad in the same room more often because I think it was only like on one or two occasions and it's like maybe at a gig or something, and I feel I, like that was a real missed opportunity. Agreed. Uh, I imagine we'd be hearing them outside the room, and like every second things said, they'd be like, "Oi, oi, oi!" Unfortunately, I don't think my granddad. Well, he probably knows Ozzy Osbourne from fucking uh, from the sh- uh, the Osbournes, but like if he started talking about Black Sabbath, my granddad would probably be lost. So funny thing know. though, both bikers. Uh, my dad, when he was uh, younger, was a bike. He, he, he nearly oh. killed him. Like. Uh, actually, as it goes, he was in hospital for a couple of months. Not the first time that's happened. Uh, but yeah, he, so they could probably talk about motorbikes. I assume if you like motorbikes, you just like Black Black Sabbath at some point, or you know, like some sort of heavy rock. Are there any motorbike people out there just kicking it to taunt by Natalie and Brulia? That's what I want to know. You're going to trick him into doing lines of di- famous lines of Michael Caine dialogue. <laughs> I, I thought you were about to say lines of Coke. I thought you were about to say just banging lines of Coke together. Just, yeah. the two of them. <laughs> <laughs> just charlied up to the eyeballs going, fuck! I just, picture, I, just, I just picture you trying to construe a situation where your dad says a diamond the size of a tangerine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get him to say it <laughs> and I'll play it back on the show. <laughs> 
that's the content people are here for. <laughs> so the funny thing about Mark's birthday message as well is I was just walking through the lounge and I was thinking, uh, wonder who I'm going to get to like email or text or whatever to do this Mark birthday message thing. I saw a pass my dad. I was like, hey, do you want to say happy birthday to Mark? <laughs> and then for some, for some reason, any of the dumb nicknames that we've ever given Mark is the only thing that my dad will ever like acknowledge Mark by. He won't ask me <laughs> how Mark is. Mark's He'll be name. like, here's Gary Slenderman. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, if you were to like write down the list of nicknames that I've been given by either Jack or his dad, it's you know somewhere up there with Jericho's list. Yeah. It really some, is. Some, Mark, Mark's some... like section of Wikipedia of like also known as would go on. Yeah. It'd be like half the article. <laughs> FKA, oh, it's a big huge list. FKA. I mean, some week, some some week we're really fucking stuck for a feature. We'll end up with like the top ten Mark nicknames. <laughs> Number ten, Conjure. <laughs> <laughs> other than that jack how was your week been uh yeah i i guess not so bad uh you know relocked down again and stuff but uh I've, I've been finding ways to keep myself busy just you know watching lots of tv and i've been playing a lot of guitar this week actually i don't know uh, why every now and then i'll go through like a few weeks so i just play a lot of guitar it's, it's sort of like yeah. soothing in a way uh, every so often during lockdown i go in uh in my spare room uh, also known as Jack's bedroom in in this house. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he comes over. I'd like to think it still smells of me a little bit. <laughs> Your musk still hangs in the yeah, air. Yeah, I mean, I smoke glorious today. I'm rocking Rouge Trafalgar by Dior, son. <laughs> I know how to get this shit done. Every so often, I walk into the room and I see my Telecaster, and I'm like, I I really must get back on the teaching myself guitar bandwagon now that I'm kind of locked in the house mostly. But then that's the problem with how easily accessible entertainment is over the internet nowadays is that like i always find something to distract myself oh yeah you know it, it reminds me of the um darrow brain has a bit about like he found himself at home for a night where like the kids were away with their grandparents and the wife was out at like a social do and he found himself with a whole evening to kill and he's like my god i have years worth of video games to catch up on i could try and discover music by a new artist there are so many box sets people keep recommending to me and then he just ended up watching robocop again <laughs> yeah it is though sometimes it's just like the the, the junk food element of like you want something that will just, you know, exist and you can just chill out to and you don't have to really think about it. Mark, I'm just going to shoot straight over to you on this one. Um, I I saw you recommend this in a group chat of ours during the week. And it's one of those things where, you know, when you're on Netflix and you kind of circle past something or you have your cursor over a show and it just starts playing like a, just a random clip from it. Yes, I so. Um... We always have, like, at the top near uh, Maria's uh, Netflix account, either Friends or It's Always Sunny. So I've heard the phrase, yeah. now those ladies have stopped squawking so much in our ears about, like, <laughs> 50 times. Yeah. So I, I saw on the, when I was going through the new and noteworthy or whatever it's called tab, I saw, like, a little clip from this show come up. And I was just like, oh, hmm, I don't know about that. Um, But you've delved into this show and uh, came out with quite the recommendation. So, so without that, further ado, tell us what you've been watching. So the thing is, that clip doesn't give really like a fair representation of what that show is. So I was I, I binged through all six episodes of the new series, which is called Auntie Donna's... Uh, uh, what is it called? Auntie Donna's Big Old House of Fun, which is... Uh, it's a, a sketch show with this Australian trio called Auntie Donna. 
who have been around for a while. Um, they have uh, like a very big following on YouTube and <clears throat> they've done like stand-up stuff as well. So some of this stuff is available on, on uh, YouTube to see. Um, and they very much lean into surrealism uh, in terms of their comedy. And I didn't watch a lot of Mighty Boosh. I've seen enough to know kind of what the brand of that comedy is. And, it, you know, in the way that they lean into surrealism, uh, there's some of that here as well. The, the kind of general premise I think they have, though, when they write a sketch, is they have a starting point. And then they try to see how can we get as far away from that starting point within three minutes uh, and then immediately come back to what the starting point was to the point that you kind of get whiplash and wonder what the fuck just happened. And the thing with so the the bit that shows up uh on on netflix is uh it's one i think it's like the first uh sketch of the first episode and they're singing a song about how everything can be played as a drum and it carries on for a bit and then one of them goes to hit like a pan um and suddenly and it doesn't make a noise and he tries to hit it again and it doesn't make a noise and he looks over to uh, the guy, Brendan, and he's like, what the fuck is going on? You told me 15 years ago that everything could be played as a drum. And <laughs> Brendan kind of gets serious and looks out the window and is like, no, 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 everything can be hit as a drum. And they start to really freak out. And then he hits it and then it works again. He's like, oh, no, I was hitting it wrong. And they go back into it. And then they start just like destroying the house while declaring that everything can be played as a drum. Uh, and is it like the Dance Commander video by? Uh, there's a, there's a little bit of Dance Commander in there. I'll give you that actually. Yeah, um, there's another skit where one of them is pretending he's it's kind of uh, mimicking like Ellen DeGeneres, and uh, he's got this person <laughs> who has like their their car's broken down and they're like ten grand in debt, and uh, he's like you know go outside, uh, go outside, go outside, and the person goes outside and. At this point, you only hear like the voiceover, what's going on, and he's like, "Oh my God, it's a new car! Yes, check the glove box. What's in the glove box? Oh my God, it's ten grand! Yes, um, see this letter. You have to take it here." And then suddenly, um, this person who's just won like ten grand in this car now has to be given uh, taking blood diamonds to a casino, and then he has to shoot someone, and then he suddenly gets shot into space, and he becomes God. And then straight after that, he's back in on the sofa again, and he's now turned blue, and he's a god. It's just very like going from one to the other in like three minutes at 180 miles per hour. Um, yeah, it's that sounds a lot like the like a boss video, you know, where yes. it just escalates ridiculously at the end. Yeah, and it honestly because there are parts of it where they are a bit. It does get a bit silly, and you know there is a little bit of. Uh, um, childish humour talking about bums and willies and poo and you know those bits Child childish humour I, I assume you mean yeah, high yeah. quality <laughs> yes childish humour I like bums yeah and like there are parts where you're kind of like ah, but when it just leans into the complete absurd and asinine it, it does hit pretty strong and the, there's some really good uh, cameos like uh, Widow Yankovic is in it Awesome Kong is in it, where they take part in the 2000 Olympic Games, um, and if she loses, she has to buy them all bonsai trees, and if she wins, I think they have to come around for lunch or something. Um, so, again, it's only six episodes, they're all like 20 minutes long, so you can get through it in under two hours. Um, and each episode is like, there's kind of a theme, so like the first episode is about getting a new housemate, 
Um, there's, I can't remember what the other episodes are. The one episode is about dating. And it's kind of like, if you think how um, Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared has like a theme for each episode. So you've got like the one about time. And at some point it just goes completely off the rails. It's kind of similar like that. It's not quite as dark or sinister, but it does have elements of that as well. Um, there is a lot of like uh, like musical numbers involved. Um, and I, you know, I think they're put together pretty well. So I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it. Again, it's... It's only six episodes and they're, they're only 20 minutes long. Um, so it's it's pretty easy to get through in a sitting. And yeah, it's the one thing it does make me want to do is it does make me want to go back and actually watch The Mighty Boosh because I never got around to just like going through all of that. Um, and oh, you, you're, you're really Yeah, because the, the only thing I remember is the, the episode where they're um, uh, parodying like the Mars Volta or cedric and oscar um so you know like they're trying to what is it they're trying to search for the sound and razor lights involved the new sound the new sound yeah, yeah. sonder nueva yeah uh yeah, exactly so i don't know I, rudy van Sario. I, I enjoyed it <laughs> and i i give it a recommendation so yeah i see that's one word yeah. circling um R- roger daltrey is in that episode doing the hoovering at the end by the way yeah, which is one is. of my favorite absolute waste of a person cameos i've ever seen <laughs> um, Jack, what have you had on the on the schedule this week? I have been cruising in Mosespar in Mandalorian, and the war is over. I'm the peacetime Mandalorian. Uh, what show Mandalorian is, guys? Did you see the first series, by the way? No, I did. This is did. this is on my watching over Christmas time list. Dave, you are in for a treat, my friend. It is it is a brilliant show, and I actually um, so the, the second series came out maybe I think. Well, the third episode's out today, so it would have started two, uh, two weeks ago. And I thought, you know what? I'll, I'll wait a few weeks. Like, I'll give it a few weeks before I watched it. And then earlier this week that I heard the first episode had Timothy Oliphant in it. And I was like, oh, I've got to watch Fantastic straight away. Um, and instead of just watching the first episode, I thought I'd clicked on the first episode. But what I did was I clicked on the first episode of the first series. I'm like, I mean, am I really watching this again? Uh, yeah, I did. I watched it all again. <laughs> <laughs> and then watch the first two episodes of the new series. Uh, guys, this is a really, really good show. And I, I I, feel like, you know, the Baby Yoda thing was so massive last year. And it kind of almost eclipsed uh, the show itself, like, just through memory. Like, the internet was alive with, with, with Baby Yoda screen caps and, you know, GIFs and all of that good stuff. To the point where I feel like what was diluted was how how good of a, a tv show it is and, and how interesting of a of a concept it is because the star wars like universe is, is so interesting and having the ability to take it away from that main canon and just remove all of the pressure and just focus on these like small contained stories and different races and stuff is 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 way way more interesting so like the first um the basic premises anyway like uh you've got the main character, uh, played by Pedro Pascal, is the Mandalorian. Uh, anyone who don't know, who doesn't know about Mandalorians, they are a race um, within the the Star Wars universe. Uh, originally, they had a beef with the Jedi's, so they were kind of warring for years with the Jedi's. But then they were cool with them for a while. But like the Empire also rounded on the Mandalorians and wiped them out at, at a certain point. Even though Boba Fett kind of wears mandalorian armor i'm not sure if boba fett is a mandalorian and i'm guessing they're going to explore that in the series at some point that's not a spoiler that's just a me taking a stab at it anyway his first mission is to rescue 
Um, he's a bounty hunter, of, and his first mission is to rescue someone and bring them back. And that turns out to be what you have seen, Baby Yoda, or has referred to as the child in the series, and then things go on from there. So, the start of the second series, uh, the episode of Timothy Oliphant, it's the Mandalorian and the small town of people t- like team up with the sand people, the Tusken Raiders, um, on Tatooine to take down a giant sand dragon. And it, it it's just, it's one of these, like, things where TV is so good now that, to me, this is just, like, it's maybe, like, 50 minutes long, and it's about half an hour shy of being a really fucking rad movie. That's the kind of quality it is. And Olafant brings that sort of smug, you know, I, I, I'm a bit of a dick, but I'm really likable, like, energy that he has to it. Like, not not the Gone in 60 Seconds energy, Dave, but, like, you know, <laughs> just the sort of, <laughs> the more, like, laid-back, chill Olafant energy. And, uh, yeah, Pedro Pascal managing to bring such life to a character that's wearing a helmet for, like, 99.9% of the series, I, I find really awesome and interesting as well. Um, like, first series, you get Gina Carano in the show. She's fucking awesome. Uh... Just uh, your regular seen... reminder for people to watch Haywire. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a basically Gina Carano uh, in a Bourne movie, essentially. I see. Uh, so Giancarlo Esposito is in it as uh, sort of he he's obviously the Empire has fallen, so it takes place after the Empire has fallen. But there's still like an underground collection of the Empire, um, a bit like you know Nazis who seemingly won't ever go away there's still like a bunch of people and the cool thing is so there's a bunch of like stormtroopers and stuff but because you know there's no empire all of their stormtrooper armor is like fucked up and twisted and like half broken and stuff so they're like you know like a real b-team level version of stormtroopers but uh giovanni um sorry uh, giancarlo esposito he considers himself like a, a grand moth of of, a, of an empire that doesn't exist anymore. And he's like, obviously, it just seems to be the go-to guy now. And we're like, we need an evil and menacing presence in a show. Let's get Giancarlo Esposito. Like, everybody watched Breaking Bad and just immediately thought, yep. So, like, he's in the new Far Cry. He's in the boys. He's in this. Uh, yeah, he, he's, uh, he's made, isn't he, really, for the rest of his life off that yeah. Gus Fring thing. Yeah, damn straight he is. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's just such a. I, I hope he gets a cut of all the Poyos Hermanos merch that I've oh, seen around the place. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think when things like that happen, you know, no one's getting a cut because people just start making stuff and putting it on Redbubble yeah. or like eBay or whatever. Like, they, like, like the guy who uh, played Clay Davis in The Wire has made a cottage industry out of Clay Davis merch. <laughs> yeah, just something just a slap a t-shirt with shit with like 15 eyes in the middle of it literally has done that yes yeah that that's all you need to do the, the um, big selling one is the center of clay davis bobblehead <laughs> i i would like one of those um yeah, yeah. well he's I, selling I'd, them i'd stick it on my dashboard why not um i don't even have a car but you know <laughs> t- times are tough buy ways. a car just to put that on the dashboard <laughs> yeah don't don't actually learn how to drive or do any of that stuff <laughs> Uh, so pointless to have a car in, in like London but yeah uh, great show watch The Mandalorian I completely lost track of all the stuff that I, I wanted to say <laughs> sorry mate <laughs> second episode is rad as well fucking ice spiders right we never got ice spiders in Game of Thrones guys but we get ice spiders in the second episode of uh, of The Mandalorian and they do it so much better than John Peters ever could I've got so much um... <laughs> great John Peters reference by the way 
yep. tip of the cap. Um, <laughs> I I just has been so much Mandalorian discourse on the on my timeline because of uh, one Sasha Banks being in the Mandalorian this season. Um, that I just feel like I'm kind of almost consuming the show by osmosis without having watched it. But I may actually crack that one. I mean, thinking about what I'm going to watch with my, my, my food after this. And, uh, do you know, do you know give, what as well? Give it a whirl finally. Dave, they're quite bite-sized. They're only sort of like 25 to 35 minutes long an episode. You know, like when you see a, a, a series and there's eight episodes, you're like, oh, these are probably all hour long. You know, like this is a real commitment, but it's like, no, nah, The Mandalorian, like it's a little bit longer than a standard TV episode, but not so long that it seems daunting, which is how they suck you in to watch like three or four episodes back to back. And that the first series is very good. I spoke about it uh, a good few months ago. Um, and like, well, I guess my only question is, I mean, because that first series, I was as just as fascinated with the actual show itself as I was the production value of it and you know is it hitting that same stride as the first season is it doing anything additional oh dude the first episode uh, both the first and second episodes are visually spectacular i think the first episode hits more i think um mainly because olafan adds to it a bit and then the second episode's a bit more isolationist in terms of it just being one or two characters in a situation um, which involves ice spiders, which isn't really given too much away if you'd seen the trailer to it. Uh, but yeah, like from a from a visual standpoint, that's what that's what I mean. Like the Star Wars universe is so broad; there's so much they can do with it, and they're just like little callbacks to places like Tatooine and stuff, and you get to go and visit. And yeah, it, it, it's it's just a brilliant, it's such a brilliant idea. I'm surprised no one had had thought or had done anything without. Like, like this up to this point but fucking John Favreau man everything that guy touches just seems to turn to gold like he's a really like he's a real visionary I could see him and I don't know if you agree with this Dave stepping into the Kevin Feige role if ever he were to step down as like head of the MCU yeah or being like <clears throat> post away to try and be the architect of a similar kind of sprawling project somewhere else either <laughs> like the dc truck just backs yeah, up to his house please, like it has done. for the love of god <laughs> come save us <laughs> don't do it john don't get don't go there son uh but yeah watch uh, the mandalorian yeah um so you kind of your mentions of kind of uh something that's easy to get the whole way through or kind of a, the idea of a digestible mini series brings me on nicely to what i've been watching um, I watched the entirety of, although I was only planning to watch like one episode and see what it was like, but then I just couldn't stop watching it. Uh, the Queen's Gambit, the new Netflix drama, which oh, is, I... um, it's based on uh, a novel of the same name. Although it, if you didn't know any better, you would swear it was like a historical drama. Do you, do you guys know anything about this show or have watched? I have only seen the uh, like it just pop up on Netflix. Um. But that's that's as far as I've gone with it. I, I did yeah. watch the trailer actually. The trailer looks okay. When okay. I saw the Queen's Gambit, it sounded like a, a, an instructional section of Final Fantasy Twelve to me. So <laughs> that joke will hit with like a few people. I'm talking about you, Sean McGee, if you're yeah, listening. Damn straight, it will. Um, so the thing that piqued my interest about it more than anything else is that it was starring Anya Taylor-Joy, who I'm a big fan of. You know, uh, she was somebody who was kind of on the radar since I saw Thoroughbreds. But uh, I recently, I was talking about it on the show, I watched The Witch for the first time and she's just a fucking powerhouse in that movie. Blew me away in it. And then I saw, oh, look, this seems this seems uh, interesting. She's kind of like the star uh, of this miniseries, which is about um, 
a, a, a young girl who grows up and figures out that she is a, uh, a chess prodigy. Um, and it kind of follows her life from she's at an orphanage and uh, befriends the, the custodian who teaches her how to play. And she rapidly not only gets better than him, but just starts beating uh, proper established and ranked chess players at the age of like nine or ten. Um, and it follows her all the way through her life and her struggles with kind of the circumstances that brought her to the orphanage. Uh, her life once she's out of the orphanage has its own struggles as well. The kind of the family she she is with then, um, and she has uh, issues with like addiction and trying to find her place in the world and things like that. All the while, uh, this kind of escalating, uh, chess career. And it's like it's it's weird because like chescalating, chescalating, yeah. <laughs> and it's weird because like it's so this ge- this show is obviously crafted with a deep love of the game of chess. Um, and I would have thought if somebody had explained that to me beforehand, I would think right, this is going to be impenetrable to me because I don't know a fucking thing about chess, right? Um, but I was, I was absolutely gripped for the whole thing. It's only seven episodes; they're all about an hour long. Um, and it's just the way, like, she is brilliant for a start. Um, I think at the age of, I think she's in like 23 or 24. And she has this whole, like, proper, well-budgeted drama miniseries that she is having to shoulder the whole way through. And does it with ease. The, the character of Beth Harmon is just, like, really complex and, and fascinating and at times like you really root for her and at times she's her own worst enemy and like even that part of it alone but the way they shoot the the scenes of playing chess and the way they explain just enough about chess for you to have a a decent understanding of what's going on and why things are important but keep it distant enough that you realize like this this is a difficult game and you still have that uh you still have that uh, perspective, like the outsider, like a lot of the people spectating the audience that uh, are, are watching these matches. I think it's just a fascinating series. I, I I could not stop watching it, as I say, from from start to finish. It was a real nice antidote because I've been watching a lot of movies back to back to back. So it's been a while since I just dove into a series and stayed with the same characters for, for multiple episodes or multiple hours uh, and I, I couldn't recommend it highly enough. A lot of these Netflix dramas nowadays are real hit and miss. And this one hit harder than, than any have in quite a long time. And just surveying my Twitter this week, it feels like one of those things where it got dropped and now word of mouth is starting to build on this thing that people are like, oh, you should fucking check this out. And again, like I said, um, and like Jack was alluding to, sometimes when you see like a really, really long series or... Uh, something like that you're you're reticent to jump into it because of the time commitment and even though the episodes are long at about an hour maybe a couple of them are a little more than an hour the fact that there's only seven episodes and it's a complete self-contained miniseries there won't be uh, a series two of this it makes it easier to make that commitment at the start and I don't think it'll take more than the first episode for you to be completely just immersed in in this world and it's got a, such a strong visual style and aesthetic in it and as i said if you can make a drama where chess is just fucking 
compelling as all get out, then you've done really well there. Uh, even though, like, all seven episodes, every single bit of chess terminology they could have used in those seven episodes could have been completely made up and I would know no better. But I don't care because <laughs> I was just along for the ride and I fucking loved it. <laughs> well, I'm, you know I what? actually quite like chess, what? so I'll probably give this, uh, give this a spin. Yeah, it's it's really good. I always... What you said at the start where it's like... You know, she picks up something and finds out she's a prodigy at it. I always have that dream. Like, the next thing that I try is just going to be, I'm amazing at it, you know, and I don't have to, you know, try that hard, really, to just be amazing at it. I always daydream. It's just like, one day I'm going to pick up, like, a golf club or a tennis racket and just be unreal at them. But, yeah, it never works out that way. Have you given um, chess a go yet, Jack, to see if that's the thing? (laughs) I have played chess, and... I, I wasn't bad at it, but I think that if I played someone that really knew what they were doing uh, and, yeah, like you said, started dropping all the terminology, I, I don't think I would have that much of a chance. Uh, yeah. I, I want to say as well, Jack, I, I, I kind of want to ensure that you watch it because uh, I can't think of the actor's name, but the guy who plays Jojen Reed in Game of Thrones shows up and his manner of dress in this uh, show it needs to be seen to be believed. And it, I will leave is it, it at that. fictional characters? Yes. But like, I, genuinely, it's done in such a... It feels like it's a historical record that these people actually existed. Because I think a lot of them are kind of uh, arch and, and referential of famous figures and matches throughout the history of actual chess without being those actual figures so there's a lot of stuff with the russian grandmasters and things like that that kind of if you've heard of things like that to do with chess you wouldn't like you would be inclined if you didn't know otherwise to believe that this stuff actually happened even though it didn't yeah like i think there's a really good documentary about bobby fisher yes um, who's one I think of them on more... netflix as well yeah he's one of the more interesting yet extremely troubled human beings who, who yeah. uh, has ever been like amazing at, at a sport or a game or something like that so, and i think that that is one of the themes of the series as well is that like that, that idea of how close genius exists to madness absolutely yeah i mean you have to have that sort of eidetic level memory of mapping out l- multiple different positions on boards yes you've got to think ahead but you've also got to have that muscle memory of like if this person is moving these pieces then they're trying to set up this particular style of play uh yes yeah, it's, it's, it's it's an incredibly difficult game chess honestly i i think you know i i, I wouldn't have recommended it as strongly for mark until he said he actually has an interest in chess and now in chess and now i would say that you two, both of you, would absolutely love this show. Uh, yeah. Maybe for different reasons, maybe for the same reasons, but you should both absolutely watch it, I think. I thought you were going to say Mark's just going to love it because of Anna Taylor-Joy, but I did not know that about Mark. That's Revelations, by the way. Oh, I, was, a big chess I was in the chess club in primary school, and uh, me and Maria, we, we pull out the chessboard every now and again and have a game when, you know, lockdown occurs. Who's better? Um... For the most part, me, but you know, she hadn't ever played until I like taught her, so um, I don't think she's a prodigy yet, but she's getting there. I see, maybe she should watch that show and then it might all just click for her. Yeah, <laughs> she could be your, your, your ticket to, to fame and glory. I, as a, as I think it's manager. actually, I think it's actually on her Netflix list, so I might, um, yeah, 
recommend that we I'd watch bu- that. I bump it up a bit higher, yeah. All right. Yeah, 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 exactly. Get that yeah, watch. Manager and agent is the role you're looking yeah. for. <laughs> Especially, I would say as well, like not like there's huge spoilery things in it, but I kind of we're getting at the point now where there's lots of people talking about how good it is and people should watch it, but there's not a lot out there. By the time I had seen enough praise that I wanted to watch it, I hadn't seen any single detail about the show that told me I had no idea apart from chess what it was about. Um, so maybe it might it might be an even better experience if you're going into it fully blind apart from that. Um, yeah. So give that, it a go. That's exactly the same point as The Mandalorian. When, yeah. I, when I sat down and watched The Mandalorian for the first time, all I knew about it was Baby Yoda. Yeah. yeah. And now <laughs> and I, I'll be way. sitting down to watch it and all I know is Baby Yoda and Sasha Banks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sasha Banks isn't that prominent in the show. Yeah, no, I, I, I had a feeling with how much it was being bigged up by WWE that's like, she's going to be like, uh, maybe one rung above just walking by in the background. Yeah, Gina Carano, on the other hand, is yeah. a, kicks ass, and I can't wait for her to come back in the second series. Good stuff. Uh, we'll move over to video games now, and uh, this time we'll start with Jack. Oh, me? Okay, interesting. So, first of all, I want to talk about a, a strange phenomenon, um, and that phenomenon is a Pokemon, uh, funnily enough. Uh, and that Pokemon, Mark, if I said to you Bronzor, do you know what a Bronzor is? That's that Pokemon. That fucking uh, shield with eyes, right? <laughs> Essentially what it is, it looks like a fucking hubcap with eyeballs, yes. Yeah, and then there's uh, like Bronzong, I think, which is like a big bell. Yeah, which is a big bell. Yeah. It evolves, yeah, it evolves from a hubcap into a bell. So it is the most, <laughs> like, unesthetically pleasing, just weird like it, solid disc of shit you're ever likely to see uh worse than trubbish uh it's not worse than Tru- trubbish at the moment actually in the pokemon go community has even more heat because so there's multiple distance eggs like so if you to hatch eggs in the game you have to walk certain distances like and the highest can, can i just say on- as well sorry jack before, before you explain everything I, it just feels like when you talk to me about the Pokemon Go community, it just feels like an insight into this secret life you lead. <laughs> <laughs> like every week is here's what's been going on in Pokemon Go, which to me is such an alien community now after the three weeks I spent with it seven <laughs> years ago. Yeah, I mean, this is what lockdown does to you. It gets Mark in the chest and it gets me back into Pokemon Go. Um, but... I- so trubbish it, there's there's a bunch of different eggs so like the the highest egg distance to hatch is 12 kilometers so you have to walk 12 kilometers to hatch this and there's a couple of like new pokemon that haven't been in the game up to this point in there that people are looking for but one of the pokemon in there is trubbish right and trubbish is one of the highest possibilities of a thing you can hack so can you imagine walking for 12 kilometers to hatch a trubbish just how much rage that would induce in you um, yeah. yeah so that that's why there's a, a just a flat out burial even more uh, of trubbish than there are uh, than there would be normally but anyway so in the game there's a thing called the battle league which is kind of what it says on the tin you know you pit yourself against other trainers it's, it's one of the cool features of something that they've added to the game that has brought me like back and and kept me there because i like battles and you know Pokemon and Mark can attest to this. Pokemon battles in the main series, the meta, like if you really want to get into the meta detail of it, is so ridiculously complicated. It is chess-like in it, in, in its complications. Have of, you ever like, um, have you ever watched any like esports with Pokemon and listened to the commentary and like it, yeah. it's like fucking watching um, 
uh, a skateboard run where they're just reeling off tricks one after the other, but it's Pokemon moves, and they're talking about four different strategies the person can go with within the span of like five seconds. They're yeah, insane. there's a guy called Wolf Glick who's like, I think he was world champion at some point, and he has a, a, a YouTube account, and, you know, you watch him in a battle and he's like fucking rain man he's like right they're gonna have these moves and then they're gonna do this and they might have this item and if it does that that. and it's exactly what you just said like you're like jesus christ and that's too complicated for me guys I, i admit it just i just don't have that time commitment to just learn all of this shit so i like the go battle league because the battle pokemon and pokemon go yeah you need to know what moves work good against other types and what things are strong but you basically just tap a screen and you do a move and then you tap a screen to a point where you can do a really strong move and uh, you can potentially shield it sometimes and that's it right anyway this week uh, uh there's there's like levels you can get up to and rank 10 is the highest and they put in this cup, which is for unevolved Pokemon that evolve into stronger Pokemon, which is pretty cool because, like, again, Mark, you'll testify, like, the second you get into battling Pokemon, you can't just chuck a Pikachu out there <laughs> or, like, a, a Charmeleon because you're just going to get ripped to pieces, right? Well, it, it depends uh, on, like, which, like, cup you're... Because they do different tournaments, like, real-world tournaments where they have, like, you know... Um first level pokemon or only like i I can't remember the the tiers they call them but there's like overused underutilized and they have different different like official tiers and stuff and it's interesting with each like game that gets released some pokemon get like bumped up or or brought down depending on you know how the metagame changes and what different hidden like there might be one pokemon that is terrible but then gets this really amazing hidden ability that now makes them completely overpowered and it's it's really interesting if you're into that kind of thing to see how that evolves over time and there's i can't remember there's a there's a guy on youtube who he'll pick like a particular pokemon and he'll go through like that pokemon from gen one up to now in terms of like in the competitive scene how they fared and it's really interesting to, to watch that kind of stuff sorry it, yeah it, it can be and you know two words to change everything with chip trick room when that first happened anyway that's way too deep down the rabbit hole anyway so this cup came out and for some reason bronzor this like solid gray disc of shit with bubbles and eyeballs and no other features is somehow the strongest pokemon in this tournament right and i happen to have a really good one in my bag um, because, you know, you just catch a bunch of Pokemon and Pokemon go. And, like, I'm a guy who kind of likes the idea of having a living dex. Like, I like to keep one of each Pokemon. And I usually try and keep a strong one or whatever. And it just so happened to be perfect. But what's happening, Mark, is because it has such a high defense and because it's so, like, tanky, is that you're having these battles with people and you get three Pokemon each. Uh, and then, you you know, you fight. And then usually the, 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 the two Pokemon will, like, take each other out, the other two. And it's just Bronzor versus Bronzor. So it's like you hammering the shit out of your phone trying to tap with this just two discs just staring at each other with their soulless eyes <laughs> across a across a battlefield of Pokemon. And it it just, reminds it, me of when you get caught in a battle with two Metapods. It is exactly like that. Um, and because obviously they're like, you know, super resistant to all the moves they do because they are that type and they're just there just hammering confusion and then every now and then doing a heavy slam or something. And I've been, you know, I've been trapped in a few of these fights where it's just like you've got slightly more health than the other person. So, you know, you're going to win. But instead of quitting, they make you just <laughs> fight it out. 
Um, but yeah, for the first time ever, I managed to get to tier 10 on the strength of this like soulless disc of metal, this bronzor. So I wanted to celebrate the humble bronzor. Uh, but then after this week, I also never want to see bronzor again. <laughs> it's just like... Oh my god! It, it 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 there's nothing interesting about it whatsoever. But yeah, it, it, it's it's weird because they're normally quite well balanced the the tournaments that they do in, in Pokemon Go. But this one has just been like, if you haven't got bronze or like, what are you even doing with your life? You know, it's 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 what's happening right now in the world of Pokemon Go, bronze or. But yeah, that's enough from the uh, Pokemon Go archives. The other game I've been playing is Paradise Killer, but I really don't want to talk too much about it because I haven't really got far enough in that i have that i'm feeling like forming like real opinions about characters and stuff i almost kind of just want to finish it which i'm kind of hoping that i'll do at some point this week and then give it a real good going over next week um and probably for the last time we'll talk about paradise killer again before uh end of year awards which i'm sure will feature in in some of your guys commentary in there but yeah i just uh i wanted to sing out an ode to a bronze or a pokemon that has emerged and will then forever be forgotten again when the cup ends in four days, uh, RIP Bronzel. <laughs> uh, for me, I, I've been, uh, I finished Yakuza Kiwami 2 this week. And uh, that's my that's new... That's good going, man. Yeah, I, I kind of went from, I had seen Mark talking about how he has to get into and finish the Yakuza franchise. And I was like, oh, I kind of left off with that. I, I had, my mistake was that I went from, <clears throat> I finished Kiwami, loved it. And then literally took out the disc and started playing Kwame 2. Mm. And that was my problem. Is that I got a little bit burned out on the first. I think I did the first chapter of Kwame 2. Was really enjoying it. Uh, but I was just like, okay, there's a little bit too much of the same game. As enjoyable as it is for now, I need to go away. And then because I burned myself out a little bit, I didn't come back to it for a couple of months. Said after I saw Mark talking about it that, oh, look, I'll, I'll, I'll plug it back in and see what happens. And I fucking, I finished that fucker off this week. Um, and that is, I know I'm, what, three games deep into the franchise. Yakuza Kiwami 2 is now my number one in that franchise. Um, I think it's the most refined that new Yakuza engine has felt. It's the best kind of uh, mix of great drama in the critical path um and great silliness outside of it as i was talking to, to to jack a bit last week um the mini games are fantastic i think it nicely simplified the uh the upgrade system in it um that i was kind of um it was easier to keep track of where i was balanced and where i wasn't in terms of my upgrades and that's not a a complaint of the way they were doing it in the likes of yakuza zero just kind of uh it just made it a bit easier to kind of breeze through it whereas uh with yakuza zero i was kind of uh getting stuck in and and into the the nuance on it a bit more trying to uh build out uh my kiryu in a particular way uh and beef up particular fighting styles so absolutely love that one it's my favorite one so far so the next uh i have to do is install the yakuza collection which is the uh slightly up and polished three four and five that aren't full remakes um and get into those um I, I don't know how long any one of them are, so I'm, I'm going to try and get through at least two of them um, in short order and then take a big break um, because of the other thing I'm about to talk about. But uh, holy hell, uh, Mark, as somebody who's who started dipping into this franchise as well, 
it, you remember like years ago we would have been hearing about th- these games like before they really got um a wide release out west and i was kind of like oh this feels like one of those kind of under the hood bang average game franchises and holy hell by the time all is said and done here with the yakuza games it's going to be among my favorite franchises i've i've ever dipped into yeah i'm i am really looking forward to at some point finally jumping into them um it's because it's a series i've never paid too much attention to like the the only time i ever really heard about them or or heard someone specifically talking about them that i paid any attention to was alex navarro like every now and again he'd bring up yakuza and i just you know it was just there in the back but i, I never really paid attention to it but slowly over time with you and uh, and obviously kevin Mahan when he was on to talk about it it it's just that series that i've, I've been meaning to to get to and you know i'm kind of in the the current situation now like with my setup that um i know at least one of them i have one of them on game pass and i think uh, i purchased one of the, the Z- zero zero kiwami and i think kiwami 2 are all on game pass yeah so uh so you know i'm i have no excuses other than just making the time yeah. for it as i've just downloaded yeah. assassin's creed valhalla yeah so i want to try and like because i have the benefit of only starting when zero came out i i will have the benefit of being able to attack all these games in in order of the story you know whereas a lot of people who were on it from the start when it was a cult hit would have gone all the way up to yakuza 5 and then gone back to yakuza 0 whereas i was able to start with 0 come all the way through to 6 uh and then i'll, I'll play the spin-off games uh, yakuza like a dragon just came out this week um and uh judgment as well which is the kind of um it's a completely different story but set within the universe of uh yakuza from what i understand um i have all those on deck ready uh i I imagine at this rate like a dragon will be one of my early uh next gen purchases rather than uh because there is a specifically uh polished for next gen version of that game uh rather than buy it on my ps4 now i I think i'll probably wait considering how much time it's going to take me to get through particularly six which i've heard is a long one um but yeah they're just incredible i think you're really going to like them i i think it it appeals to your um your brand of gameplay and of silliness so uh, yeah i think you're going to really like it uh the other thing i want to talk about here uh even though i don't want to take too long because i've only had a few hours with it before uh recording gentlemen i have made the leap to next generation um yesterday i picked up my xbox series s and uh you know whereas i haven't explored all the features of it necessarily uh i want to to chat a little bit about what a great piece of kit this is um for a start the size of the thing which i i think you know everybody and their mother is talking about the sizes of the consoles for next generation um and this thing, I sent a picture to you guys earlier. Uh, the the size of it, it is literally when you rest a switch on top of it, it is roughly as, as long as a switch. Um, and it's, you know, a bit wider. Um, the thing feels a bit heavy, but what I love about it, and I mentioned this to you guys, is that whether you stand it vertically or horizontally, there are considerably large fans uh, and vents on three sides of it so it is getting a lot of cooling going on there uh no matter where you stack it so the the fear of overheating isn't as egregious as with previous generations um 
it is whisper quiet. I cannot believe how quiet this thing is when it's on and even when it's like it's working hard. I had it last night downloading a bunch of stuff on Game Pass while I was listening to music on the Spotify app while I was playing a game. And you, if I took my headphones off because I had my headphone jack in uh, playing the game um, and if you took out the headphones, there was not a sound in the room. Which is when you're coming from a lot of people who, you know, my my PS4 Pro is holding up pretty well, but it does get a bit loud sometimes. Um, when you go from that to this thing doesn't make a noise at all, it's crazy. Um, I, I definitely can see why people, you know, the deeper it gets into the generation might, depending on how they consume and store games, might struggle a little bit with this, the, the size of the hard drive on the thing, because it is... I think so it's a 500 gig hard drive but only about 352 maybe um gigs are available uh but you know we've said it before between the the advent of the 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 project x cloud the, the cloud gaming project that microsoft are, are rolling out um and the smart delivery system that is going to kind of compress the file sizes of a lot of the upcoming first party games um once you're not uh like hoarding a bunch of games on the console at any one time and your internet is pretty decent i think you're going to be fine for me it works great as basically as i said to you before a game pass machine i still intend to get the ps5 as my main thing when i want things to look extra pretty extra up or if there, it's a particularly large third party game uh, i'll end up getting them on ps5 uh, for what i got this machine for it's perfect uh, one of the things i love that it kept is the really pleasant uh beep when you turn on the xbox that is ported over from the xbox one it's much more pleasant than the sharp beep of the ps4 that still nearly scares the shit out of me every time i hear it um yeah Joe, i hate accidentally leaning on my ps4 controller and it just hit me oh what the fuck uh, I, you I have do to that turn back on the tv change the hdmi input just to turn it off again yeah yeah um yeah i i love this little thing it is fantastic i signed up for uh game pass ultimate brought to you by mark robinson uh so that i can get access to a bunch of shit the the thing of course the benchmark of uh any console's graphics in lieu of triple h's hair being available is driving games so i downloaded uh forza horizon 4 uh which it came out the end of 2018 but has been uh i think the, the phrase they use optimized for xbox series or xbox series s and x um so they've polished up and holy shit uh i cannot wait to see what the first built from the ground up series s uh forza looks like because this thing is breathtaking it's the you know we've seen a lot of trailers over the last year or so for the next gen games and there's been a lot of talk about how god it, a lot of them don't really you know we don't get that blow away okay this is next gen like we did i know the game is much maligned but you remember when we when we all originally saw that first watchdogs trailer in like 2011 2012 and it was like holy shit <laughs> next gen is going to be ridiculous um the fact that the Series S, which is the less powerful of the two SKUs of this new gen of Xbox, can make a two-year-old game look this good on my TV, 
I'm so excited. <laughs> like I, I just, I couldn't get over it last night. Um, yeah, I, I'm already very, very happy about my purchase. And I just keep, as I'm talking about it, I just keep panning my head to the left and looking at the tiny little adorable thing sitting there in my unit. And I can't wait to crack it back on. The other thing as well with the, the instant on, if you have that instead of the power saving settings, like I'm going from, if I grab my controller now, I'm going from pressing that thing to resuming my race in Forza in about three seconds. Uh, That's impressive. It's ridiculous. I've been really going back and forth over the last couple of days about whether I was going to pick up a Series S. Because I mean, if I if I didn't have the PC I have now, you know, I'd have had one day one, like no yeah, questions yeah. asked. Um, but because because the, the main thing is is that there's a bunch of stuff on Game Pass that is on the xbox consoles that isn't on pc uh yeah. which is is a pain and you know like it it would be nice just to have it because again it's it's a game pass machine and there's some stuff that um maybe i could get on steam but like if it's on game pass then cool i could just have it there on a separate console and yeah. you know because like fucking you can pick up a um like a, a hard drive for 250 quid and that's one thing but i mean if i can get a games console out of it as well for that then why not do that and save myself the headache and just you know have yeah. the piece inside but it's just at the same time it's like well again it like my my pc acts as a game pass machine do i yeah. really need to buy the console yeah i suppose the one downside of it i found that you mentioned the word hard drive there and that made me think of it the one downside I, i've thought about so far is how it doesn't support external hard drives um, except its own one that, that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, which is prohibitively expensive if you want to bump the console memory up closer to that one terabyte. Taking the, the best tricks you, from Apple, hey? Yeah, but depending on the way you consume it, that's not really... Like, again, I'm going to, like... Um, I'm going to keep a bunch of really small games on it um, that don't take up much space, and then pretty much everything else, like, as I beat it, I'm going to get rid of it, you know? Um, I mean, honestly, the, like the I had a joy of the Game Pass system. I had a 500 gigabyte hard drive uh, PlayStation, and like that's how I used that for the seven odd years, and it worked fine for me. So, you know, obviously, you've got things like Call of Duty, which are completely excessive. But between um, their system in terms of like compressing some of the files, I find it difficult to believe there'll be any situation like unless you want to have, you know, three AAA games of of varying degrees on there and yeah. a bunch of other stuff it's like yeah. just you know or, or if you have particular if you have particularly harsh caps on bandwidth so that yeah. it's not uh it's 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 expensive to start just deleting and re-downloading games all the time i get that um for you i guess with your situation you know maybe the the kind of don't buy uh, comes down to well like you said most not all but most of the games on game pass you can get on pc but then i suppose the other side of things is that really it's a one-time purchase for you because you already have game pass whereas for most people it's kind of like well you're gonna have to get the console and game pass as well to make it valuable whereas if you're just gonna have game pass ultimate anyway you're talking about a one-time sla- splash down the cash and then you've got it well that's you know? true but they were doing like bundle packages anyway for the the console and game pass so to some yeah. degree yeah but I, I don't think it applies too much to at least yeah. starting out with um the bundle packages i don't know i'm still yeah. in two minds about it um mm. and i'm still uh, on the side uh, of not and i'm yeah. not as weak as brian so i'm gonna try yeah. and stay here for a while i think it might be a thing where you should probably prioritize the ps5 
um, well, because course. there'll be more games you'll miss out on and then maybe the first price drop that they do for it it might get into that getting you off the fence sort of territory like if this thing drops to 250 or or you know when it eventually drops to two the, that that at that point it becomes value that's, I, that's very insane. hard to ignore yeah. that's like when you see doom on sale for like a fiver you know yeah it's like oh yeah. the game of a couple of years ago or one of the games of a couple of years ago is a fiver yeah. like what the fuck are we doing well, here yeah that's the <laughs> doom eternal is on game pass as well <laughs> you know like there's it so is. much stuff i was scanning through i was like holy shit i did exactly what barry did the very first game i downloaded on my series s was black uh, because EA Play is now bundled in with uh, with Game Pass, so I downloaded that. Uh, I might have a replay of Jedi Fallen Order at some point. Um, I also the other game I've actually gotten into and played uh, on my Series S is uh, Jack's favorite Tetris Effect. It's a great game. Yeah, uh, a game of the year, some might say. But uh, also, again, that's where... That in 89, some would say. <laughs> the, the visuals on that, whereas they are, like, they're fantastic even on PS4, you just notice that little extra pop, that little extra sharpness when you when you play it on, on Next Gen that I was kind of like, that lava lamp quality of it, I'm just sitting there on my own in the office in the middle of the night just going, whoa. <laughs> so, yeah, the Series Can... S, fantastic. And uh, th- that'll be a developing story as I enjoy more things on it, I think. Do you know what my problem is? I never get the lava lamp effect of Tetris effect that much because I'm I'm too focused on actually just like hardcore playing Tetris. Yeah. I don't even notice how beautiful it is because I'm like just like oh, right, get the long one, get but put it down the side now. <laughs> Speaking of games that are available on the Series S that I have downloaded but haven't kicked into yet, uh, Mark. That's a hell of a long segue you just I dropped know, right? there, my friend. I know. Good work. Well done, Master my friend. Uh, Ghost Runner. Oh, Ghost Runner. It, so Ghost Runner is the Mark Robinson game of 2020, but when I say that, I don't mean it's Mark Robinson's favorite game of 2020. I mean it is yeah. the most Mark Robinson game of 2020. Um, is it more than Hades? Uh, no, no, because I mean Hades to some degree, yes, but you have to understand that Ghost Runner. Right, I, I will give you basically a very kind of simple concept of uh, like the gameplay loop of the game. You have an area. Think like Hotline Miami, where you have a room and you have a bunch of enemies and you have to get around the environment and every like everything you can kill with one shot or a swipe of your blade, but everything can kill you in one shot as well. And the moment you die, you basically hit Y and is like instantly you're back at the start again and you try that area again and you'll die about 70 times until you figure out the right path you need to do to clear the area to move on to the next one. Okay. So cool. it is it is peak Mark Robinson. It's it's kind of like a blend of uh, Mirror's Edge with um, Super Hot. There's some of the intensity of Doom in there, and it's all kind of bundled together in the the. <laughs> You're saying like a whole a whole lot of words I like, my friends. Uh, and it's this, I, I saw someone say it looked uh, it had a bit of a Streets of Rage feel as well in one of the reviews. Is that uh, fair? I, I don't know if you have the confused thing else. I don't know where the Streets of Rage. Uh, thing is there maybe like in some of the i mean streets of rage has a tad kind of tinge of cyberpunkishness to it but uh, i don't know where else that uh comparison comes from um but it's it's wrapped up in this very kind of like cyberpunk world i mean you just take two seconds to look at it and hear the soundtrack and you know you know exactly what you're dealing with um 
It is also a very Mark Robinson game because they give us about as much of a shit about the story as I probably would. Uh, you know, they spent 10 minutes, watched Blade Runner and watched Robocop and went, okay, cool. Yeah, we'll, we'll try that. Uh, the story is there just to, you know, because it needs to be there, but you don't need to pay any attention to it. And it, you know, the there's there's really nothing in the way of cutscenes. There's nothing there that ties you down for more than a few seconds. Um, like, you know, you can be playing and running along as the dialogue is happening overhead. So you, you're never bogged down or tied down with it. And, you know, there's nothing there that happens, even like the big, if you want to say, plot twist i mean you 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 know it's coming from about 10 minutes into the game so uh you know i wouldn't definitely not going to be uh, in the uh, story of the year contendership but just in terms of the flow like because i remember i spoke about it a couple of months ago uh when the demo came out and like at the time i thought okay these 10 minutes or so with this demo kind of i i kind of know exactly what this game is going to be and how it's going to give like each level is going to have maybe like a specific gimmick and it's going to expand on that idea until you get to the end and you have like one very difficult challenge that you have to overcome and it's that uh, it's absolutely that but it does a really good job of blending in uh like areas with combat and then areas with just you know straight up platforming sections and it's been ages since, since i've played mirror's edge so i can't remember how the the flow of the platforming feels in that game but i do remember that the combat by the by was just pretty average and you know it didn't want to be a first person shooter but it had gun combat in there and it just didn't work and one of the issues with first person games like this is it's very hard to, you know, use peripheral vision and, and like the sense of perspective of what's around you. And that can be tricky with this, but you know, the the platforming by the by, like there's only really two things you well, there's three things you do. You can run, you can use like a grapple hook to to hook shot onto these kind of clearly marked uh, areas with like a blue circle, and you can wolf run. Uh, and wall running is just you can wall run on the left, you can wall run on the right. That's pretty much it. But, it, you know, it builds these puzzle boxes around it with different enemies. And, you know, you have enemies that can fire a single shot. You have enemies with a machine gun. You have enemies that have this shield that you have to run around to get to the other side. Um, there's your ghost runner. Um, he has like a bullet time ability. So you can slow down time for a few seconds to get yourself kind of lined up that you can dodge a shot and then bring your sword in to, to kill your enemy. And it's just between all of that and the very, uh, you know, synth wave, retro wave soundtrack that is so perfectly in tune with what this game is. When you get into the flow, like if you think about it in like Tetris, certainly with Tetris effects, when you get in that to that kind of Zen mode where everything around you just, disappears and you're just focused on the task at hand when you get into that and certainly when you you know you're in a particular part of the the environment and you know exactly like the path you need to take to take down the these six enemies and you know it right i can do this i just need to now just sit here for these 10 minutes and actually get it done and once it's done it is one of the more kind of satisfying uh feelings i've had playing games this year and uh yeah Ghost Runner is, is is a very special game, and it's only about 10 hours long, though those 10 hours also come down to how many times you need to leave the room, go make a cup of tea, take a minute to breathe, 
come back and try again. So uh, yeah, it's it's very very good. I don't know if either of you will get to the point where you actually want to finish it because there are a few areas in that game where it gets pretty fucking difficult. But it's nice enough with the checkpoints that uh, it you know it doesn't ask for anything too unrealistic uh, in regards to like how much you need to do in one go but certainly some of those little segments um like one of the the bosses is this kind of big tower that you need to climb up that has these insta death laser beams floating around and the first time you look at it you're like what the fuck but you know as you figure out bit by bit you realize no there is this space here that i can jump up to and all right i can hook shot up to here and yeah i, I like you kind of see through the chaos that, that, that's there in front of you and uh yeah yeah very satisfying that's to play that's you zoning in on like video game sadism like in uh you know like celeste or um your favorite uh oh, my brain's completely gone super meat boy <laughs> super meat boy that's exactly the game i was thinking of yeah yeah we're, we're on where, course where for another lock brobster at this rate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly super meat boy versus lock probster um i I just it terrifies me that you zone in that much like you're trying to do like a no hit run on Cuphead and stuff yeah so I don't know if that's for me but would you confirm it to be the best cyberpunk game potentially released in 2020 I'm gonna have a huge shrink of my drink while you answer yeah I mean I'm probably not gonna get to cyberpunk this year so definitely for me <laughs> it's there's still a small chance cyberpunk might not get to cyberpunk wow. this year <laughs> yeah yeah um but yes it's definitely i i feel like there's at least one other cyberpunkish game i've played this year i know uh cloudpunk is saying that i need to get to at some point as well that uh barry is bigged up um but yes that the, just sounds like a genre that mixes shoegaze and, and punk rock probably is i don't fucking know but no. yeah i i i look forward to seeing how far you get with it dave until you throw the towel in because it uh it gets rough it does get rough yeah I like it's one of those things where in a world where I, I I I now live a life safe in the comfort that I beat Cuphead, I think I'm willing to persist with these games when I hit a wall a bit more than I used to. So we'll see where that gets. Although the next one of those kind of bastard hard games I keep saying I'm going to try is Hollow Knight. Um, but with, you know, Although Hollow Knight is available on my Xbox Series S, so that's how I finally get to it. Oh my god, there's two of you. There's two of you now. (laughs) Why have Microsoft bought this podcast? Why has no one told me? But the the thing is, I'll say, like, Hollow Knight is not something that you can really sit down with for five, ten minutes at a time. And, um, you know, you you do kind of need to sink an hour in at a time with it. Whereas with... um, with ghost runner like you can sit there for about 10 15 minutes and just try to hack at a bit of a level or just one kind of chapter one section uh until it's done so the the flow of them is different but also hollow Knight, really good game well that's enough for the played it section of link to the game pass this week and we'll move on to what what's happening <laughs> Uh, where uh, in our first news story, the Xbox Series X and S, which features the fantastic and competitive Game Pass service, has officially <laughs> become the biggest Xbox launch of all time. 
according to Microsoft. Uh, this story coming from uh, Eurogamer here. Xbox boss Phil Spencer, uh, friend of the show, broke the news on Twitter today that more Xbox consoles had been sold in more countries than ever before and that many more were on the way. Uh, Xbox Series X and S are sold out in many places, making this, like many console launches, simply a matter of how many console boxes Microsoft can inject into retailers to sell on launch day. Interesting verbiage there. Uh, with inject. Uh, the mention of more countries this time around is also important. Xbox Series SX arrived on the same day in 37 markets compared to just 13 for the Xbox One. One of many problems the Xbox One had at launch. Uh, still, as video games analyst uh, Daniel Ahmad points out, uh, any total now. Uh, uh, sorry, any total now the biggest ever for Xbox means it was higher than the 1 million units Microsoft managed at the Xbox One's launch, which is no mean feat in the middle of a pandemic. And that is very true. Um, yeah. Uh, bravo for our good friend Phil Spencer, Mark. Yeah, I mean, just the, the logistics of pulling that off in the current climate is, is you know, that's no mean feat. And... I don't know if it's been documented anywhere or, you know, it might take a while to see exactly what the breakdown is of Series X sold to Series S. But, you know, I, I would imagine that a large portion of this is just that Series S is such a good fucking deal that, um, you know, like... It's... It'll be interesting to see a map where I wonder will the balance of who gets the S and who gets the X depend on internet speeds? Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe, uh, maybe. The, the areas that have bigger ones, it'll be uh, the S will be outstripping the X. I know I've I mean, seen different reports. Or is it just data caps? Like, well, that, that's yeah, yeah, a six of one, a half dozen the other, I suspect. Um, it's interesting because um, I've seen different reports from other people uh, around the place. Like, for example, our friend Jamie O'D was saying that in Dublin, uh, on launch day, you couldn't get an X for love nor money, but there was S's everywhere. Um, he was able to pick up one without uh, uh, without having reserved it or pay, or paid anything off it before. Um, whereas other places I've seen online are saying that uh, you can't you can't fucking you can't find an S for Lovner money and there's X's everywhere. It's really weird, and I wonder. Yeah, like you said, when we you know get a bit of perspective and the sales have kind of uh, plateaued a little bit, will there be some sort of correlation we can draw about where one sold better than the other and why uh but it seems the gamble that we all thought particularly around the naming convention of these consoles um but the the gamble for both on having two SKUs at launch seems to have paid off big for xbox and i expect we're probably going to see the same for playstation considering how quickly pre-orders just went like that for the playstation 5 uh, it seems like as good as this was for Xbox, we can probably brace ourselves for an even bigger launch uh, for Sony. Yeah, but bigger we, we literally because of the fucking size of the thing. Yeah, yeah. Also because, you know, day one, they have uh, Spider-Man. <laughs> yes. And Demon Souls. And, you know... Um, but it doesn't have the world Xbox. famous Game Pass. No, it doesn't. Uh, Jack. Critically acclaimed and esteemed. <laughs> Your thoughts on this and how fantastic an offer Game Pass is. What's, what's <laughs> happening? Why are you doing this? Um, anyway, no, so, yeah, I, I find it funny that Phil Spencer and Microsoft, who, like, never really say what they've sold or how they've done, are just like, oh, we're not going to tell you how much you've sold, but it's going very well. 
it's going really well. Like they they almost couldn't we're, help We're not going to tell you, but here's a gif of Scrooge McDuck jumping into a swimming pool of money. Exactly, it's the, it's the gif of Smithers and uh, Mr. Burns having a money fight in Microsoft yeah. head offices right now. Yeah, I mean that the Series S is is a great deal. There's 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 no denying that. Um, I'm not going to start spewing it out until I get paid off like you two clearly have. But I I'm not surprised. I I think. The pandemic thing maybe what everyone needs right now is a games console you know yeah. if you have the sort of the money slushing around because you're maybe not going out and, and doing as much and, and since this has been announced you've been able to save up or you're just liquid enough that you can just drop that piece and it not be a big deal for you I, I then everyone's wonder, gonna go out i wonder I, is it a similar effect jack to the disney plus thing where disney yeah. Plus launched uh, and also, the uh, you know, more relevant to video games, the Animal Crossing thing, where people who are just back in lockdown now or are fearing a second one are seeing, well, here we are hand delivering to you a box of entertainment at a competitive price. Exactly. And people that, are just yeah. jumping on with whatever disposable cash they have. But to, to counterbalance it, lads, my PS5 is coming next week. Yeah. Um, so I, I will be waxing intellectual about that while falling backwards through the New York sky as Miles Morales. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I could not be more hyped for that. So yeah, you're, the, you're the only one of us that managed to get one uh, so far. Um, I will be endeavouring to do so, although I have myself mentally prepared for not being able to get my hands on one till January. So, um, Dave, you definitely didn't like beat up a, a child that was purchasing an Xbox to get yours. It was quite easy to purchase. It well, it you know, I don't want to get into it here because I don't want to reveal my tricks of the trade in case it works for a PS5 as well. But I, I see, I I managed to get one. We'll put it that way, and I didn't <laughs> I, have I, to assault anybody. <laughs> I don't know why, but when you said, oh, I, I managed to get this and, and someone asked you how easy it was, a whole thing just came into my head of you, like, standing in the bushes outside the uh, local GameStop and, like, <laughs> you know, a kid, like, joyfully, like, swinging back and forth the bag with their purchasing and Dave jumping out, just giving them a right good shoe-in. <laughs> like, not even trying to take it, just <laughs> just focusing on kicking him in, in, in the ribs and legs and then stealing the <laughs> Xbox and running back to his house. That's, it that's... just popped. That, that's the other thing that's interesting. You've uh, you, you've made me think of it there when you mentioned GameStop is that I don't know about England who've just gone into lockdown, but in Ireland we're in full lockdown, which means GameStop isn't open at the moment. Yeah. It hasn't been open for three weeks and these consoles came out. I think there was a collection service or they shifted everything to home delivery because I didn't see a big thing about how the fuck am I going to get my console? Um, But it's interesting how this time they've had to figure that out because I remember last time when lockdown happened and just before the shops were about to close, I went in and I was like, so uh, I have a game that I pre-ordered. How am I going to get that? And the answer I had at that time was, uh. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I ended up answer. like, I, I think I ended up moving my pre-order onto something else and then buying whatever that game was digitally just just to not risk it. Um, but yeah, um, in short, the Xbox Series S a fantastic console. Thanks, Phil. Um, our next news story uh the ever-evolving story of ea and microtransactions takes another turn this week um as fifa 21 will soon let you track and set limits on how many fifa points you can buy from the in-game store so fifa points are the basically the code word for microtransactions in fifa it's a form of currency that can only be paid for with real money through the store um and as the story from Eurogamer notes before i i, I turn over to, to jack here um 
it's essentially a measure for EA to look like they're doing something about this. Uh, Loot boxes, microtransactions, back in the news again. And they don't want to be seen to do nothing about it, but they also don't want to stop that money train rolling in. Um, What was your take on this one, Jack? It's very much like, you know, the parental guidance uh, options on Netflix. It's like, would you like to turn on parental guidance? And you, you click no, and then you never look at it again, which is, I imagine, how most people will be when they are faced with, would you like to set a limit on how many FIFA points you buy this month? Um, so, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's not even a half measure. It's about an eighth of a measure, I would say. Yeah. It, it, do you think, Mark, that it's kind of like, you know, with the ESRB and it's we've rated games now. Kids are still playing GTA and things like that, but it's it's a protective measure as much as anything else from the games industry to almost put the onus back onto. Well, look, we've set up our things so you can limit it if you want to. Uh, and they're kind of positioning themselves so they can say, well, the real blame here is with the parents putting their credit card information into the consoles so that the young people can keep spending. Yeah, maybe, because like you were talking about the, the parental guidance thing here, and I mean, you know, something I deal with on a weekly basis is uh, parents contacting me to say that, hey, my kid spent X amount, and, you know, you have a, a certain amount of those that are actually just players trying to chance their arm, but there are those that, you know, genuinely have allowed their kids to play a game and, and has, you know, ended up spending money. And it's like, you know, you give the guidance on how to use the parental controls and it's great that they're there, but you do kind of want at the same time, how many of those parents that are giving their device to their kid actually, A, even know what the, the parental guidance tools are or B, know how to actually set those up. Yeah. So, you know, like, okay, it's fine that Thief, uh, the EA have done this. Um, I would be stunned to think <laughs> it's, that... It's definitely preferable to, to them not doing it. I, I would be stunned if, say, more than about 2% of people that own a copy of this ever use it or, you know, parents ever get around to, to you know, applying the, the tools there. So, yeah, as you're saying there, it's, you know, very much EA saying, hey, look, we're doing all of this. You know, the parents have to take res- some responsibility as well. I still don't think that will hold up um, with the uh, you know the amount of countries that are coming by that are banning loot boxes and whatever else um, from appearing in their country. So you know I, I don't think it will make too much difference in the grand scheme of things. And whenever we get round to the the EU uh, deciding to make kind of rulings along the lines, which I can't remember if it was saying they were looking into. I know the UK were looking into it. Yeah, um, it, it felt like uh, some of those countries and some of those politicians it just did the saber rattling. Oh, we're looking into it. Yeah, and then yeah. wait till it dies down. Yeah, look at this while Brexit happens over here. It's like, so what? put checks on unfettered capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> so, there is also a lot worse stuff going on at the moment. Yes. and I don't want to defend politicians, but I feel like EA maybe can just sort of slinkily blend into the background while all of this stuff is kicking off in the world. Jack on the take from Big Tory there. Definitely the only person that's under financial influence in this podcast. Uh, next news story, the very competitive My Xbox Series My father's going to hear about X. this. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, Microsoft's Xbox Series X and S, really competitively priced with a fantastic Game Pass service, uh, has been the subject of what turned out to be a cruel internet hoax this week, it seems, lads. Uh, I don't know if you saw the videos. Uh, specifically of the Series X where uh, massive plumes of smoke were coming out of the fans on the top 
Uh, and then there were other ones about how you can levitate ping pong balls on them. Uh, sadly, both, it seems, have turned out to be hoaxes. Uh, as somebody, I, I was really disappointed about the ping pong one. When I saw that, I was like, oh my god, that, it, that made me want to buy an Xbox just so I yeah. could do that. I don't know how that one was done, but it appears that people were putting like the the vape fluid into the fan at the top of the Xbox Series X, and that's how that was happening. I kind um, of hope that breaks them because that is such a dumbass thing to do. It's a tough thing, Mark, because like you know there is that window of about seventy two hours after these things go into the wild, where especially if you're somebody who is in another territory where the console is releasing later, and you have the thing pre ordered or bought, um. And you start seeing these things go viral. You're like, oh, God, is there something like critically fucked about these things? Yeah, and, I mean, it happens every time. And, you know, they're sure. Like if you have, say, uh, to use just whatever number, like a million consoles, the law of averages means there's going to at least be one of those consoles that's going to be faulty for one reason or the other. But because of the way social media is, it gets posted to social media. Oh, my God, all the consoles are broken. And... I feel like part of that is that we're still, um, there's still, uh, what's the, the term I'm looking for? Um, Through the looking glass? No, 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 just... Standing? Th- like a little kid? Like a true no, survivor? No, we're all just still kind of concerned after everything with like the 360 and the, the Red Ring of Death. And, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, we, we just kind of keep thinking that that's going to happen at some point. And, you know, those early batch consoles, there's usually some that have their issues here and there. Yeah. Or even this generation, I think, about the uh, the Switch desync uh, with the, the yes, left with Joy-Con. The, the left Joy-Con. The Joy-Con. Yeah. But even that wasn't as widespread as people thought. Like, it wasn't everyone. It wasn't an insignificant amount of people either. It was some, somewhere in the middle on that one. Um, I'm trying to think the PS3 those original PS3s as well a lot of them bricked didn't they the ones that were backwards compatible they they broke it because I had one it, it broke after about two years but the lifespan on them was terrible and as yeah. Mark said rigged ring of death I just thought I haven't seen R-Rod written down anywhere for years and yeah. years I, I like, think I think I went through now the last one didn't break but I think in the seven years that there was a PS3 I think I was on my third one yeah, the time. To, and like, I didn't even get a launch to, to Germany to get like a new one or something. That was my launch PS4. Right. But right. that was that was actually a mo- like that was a really uh really nice experience of customer service because it was like no questions asked. I just had to bring it to GameStop. They sent it off and Sony sent me a new one directly. So that was grand. Like once it's a thing where it's broken but there's good customer service to get that thing out to you, that's absolutely fine. Uh, but the PS3, the PS3 had this, uh, some would say, convenient habit of breaking around the time it was out of warranty. Uh, uh, and they're just like, well, sucks to be you, pal. Do you know, I uh, my second PS3 still works now. It's, yeah. I still very occasionally will go back onto it. It's Those last models uh, in particular, the slim ones. Um, yeah, that's what I have. Yeah, they had a lot of long- longevity to them. I would probably, if I hadn't traded mine in against the value of my PS4, that thing would still be running pretty well, I'd imagine. Took a whole generation for them to sort out the problems yeah. that created. Yeah. Um, next up, uh, this is a really disappointing one for me, and one that I think myself and Mark have talked about at length, about how we were kind of looking forward to diving back into this one. Uh, the remake of 13 for PS4 appears oh. to be absolutely fucked. This isn't disappointing. This is hilarious. Have you seen some of the videos of it? I haven't seen the videos. I've just seen the screenshots. It's all I need to know because 
it was, you know, as this story says, it was a cult classic shooter back on the PS2. And the thing about it was it was one of the quintessential cell shading games um, where that thing looked like a moving comic book. It was really fucking cool. It had a really cool noir sort of a crime story to it. Um, and screenshots have come out of this new version and they have completely changed the animation style on it now. It, it literally looks like the game was made inside Fortnite. And it is so bitterly fucking disappointing. It's just, it's baffling. Like, how do you sit there in the room and decide, okay, this is the direction we're going to go with? Considering that the whole, like, reason, the whole appeal of 13 is that art style. Like, can you imagine... The The actual gameplay and everything kind of divided people... Uh, yeah. at the time i remember that like the only two things that people universally praised about that were one david duchovny was in it and two how the fucking thing looked yeah and i mean because there was like cell shaded games were were the, the thing of that era you know uh like there was that beautiful joe uh jet set radio and, and others and it's just yeah like it's put it's, some respect on wind waker's name and wind waker and actually wind waker was what i was going to bring up sorry um because, like, can you imagine they say, hey, we're going to remaster Wind Waker, or well, they did, but they completely changed the art style. Like, it would completely well, ruin <laughs> what that game is. If you remember, people at the time did want that. They yes, were like, they, they did. did. <laughs> well, that's because they're yeah. idiots. You always, um, everybody, please, I recommend looking up uh, Jeff Gersman going crazy about that. <laughs> but this, this is why we can't have nice things. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and But if they did that, if they, like... You know, if they had made Wind Waker like what Twilight Princess ended up looking like, and Twilight Princess is is pretty in its own right, in its own ways, but Link is a complete emotionless husk of a, of an entity in Twilight Princess, where in Wind Waker, just his eyes are so like there's so much expression and life in them that could only have been done by going with that specific art style, and you know the same thing, not a hundred percent to the same degree because we're in 2020 and technology is what it is, but just. <laughs> The whole point of the, the appeal of 13 is that art style and it's just it's a baffling decision uh to go with that approach yeah. and it it, it just uh, is very know. reminiscent of the the jeff goldblum you you spent so much time thinking about if you could you didn't stop to think about if you should um jack but, what what are some of the things you've seen on this but on the on the flip side right uh, oh my god! So like, th- there's there's people that have posted little videos of the games, and when people get hit by things in thirteen, they just stop still and then fall like kind of rigidly. So oh, you know no. that um, famous "Only Fools and Horses" thing of Del Boy when he falls through the bar, like you know, yeah. play it cool trick, and then he just stays at that level but just tips over. Yeah. So <laughs> so there's like footage of like people throwing a bottle at like a security person in the game or something and they'll be running towards you and the, the second they get hit by the bottle they freeze on their tracks and just slowly tilt over in whatever direction oh, they happen wow. to be facing at the time and the same thing happens with bullets as well like you shoot someone and it just absorbs into them like a sponge and if you shoot them enough times they then go down in the same sort of rigid way and it's uh yeah it, it's hilarious yeah. but i think even watch. that again i think much like when the original game came out i think any qualms would be papered over somewhat by being a really beautiful cell shaded game but they've just gone another way just because they could uh and it, yeah it, it looks it looks like a really poor asset flip of fortnite to, to whoever made that point's point 
but it is hilarious to watch. I, I think if I had a deep emotional connection to three right now, I, I think about um, me and Tony Hawk five every time something like this happens, where I'm just like, you know, I'm I'm not just I'm not just disappointed, but I am mad as well. Like <laughs> the complete flip of that phrase, the way it normally goes, where you're not only disappointed but just furious because someone's fucked with something that you have. But you know what? They didn't delete and burn all of the original copies of Thirteen, so go pick that old version up because this new version's not cutting the mustard. Yeah. Um, we have in our final news story a good look at what the first year of first party exclusives is going to look like on um on sony's playstation 5 and it's looking like a much healthier lineup than that first year of uh ps4 where i think we had in the first 14 months i think it was basically just bloodborne and infamous second son which you know good games in their own right but you know it's a bit for a 14 15 month window it's a bit anemic at the same time um so we have, as we said before earlier in the show, we have the um, the Spider-Man Miles Morales and um, the Demon Souls remakes are, are both out at launch, which is, you know, strong for a launch. Uh, and in 2021, it looks like they know where the chips are going to fall um, with the confirmation that Horizon Forbidden West will arrive in the second half of 2021. Now, obviously, it's... Uh, it's game release dates. We're still in a pandemic. All of this is penciled in rather than uh, firmly set in stone. So take it with a pinch of salt. But it will look like 2021 will have uh, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, Returnal and Gran Turismo 7 in the first half of the year. And then the big holiday game is going to be uh, Horizon Forbidden West. Uh, Mark, it looks like a good 2021 on the cards for Sony. Yeah, I mean, you know, Gran Turismo 7 will, will be massive. That goes without saying. Um, I'm not sure about Returnal, you know? Like, I, I, I feel that's that's going to be a, a kind of a mixed bag. Um, yeah, it's definitely the one of the four that's not a surefire hit. Yeah, and I mean, for me, my thing is, like, I as long as I have my PS5 either before or on the day Ratchet & Clank comes out, I'll be content. So that's that is my thing that I'm um you know hoping that I can find one before then. Jack, what uh what are you looking at when you get your PS5 next week? I'm assuming Spider-Man is is right up at the top of the list and what of this 2021 lineup is uh getting you to fling the pants out the window in excitement? Uh well, I mean, I am really looking forward to the Horizon uh, sequel just because I think what they did with that first game was just really cool taking an RPG and I can't wait to see what it looks like going into next gen because that was a pretty pretty game like a really good looking game I, it was I going up against some hideous opposition that year yeah, for the best I was gonna say game. I can't wait for the uh, the troll job that will be Nintendo announcing the the sequel to Breath of the Wild coming out two weeks before the Horizon sequel <laughs> oh those poor bastards if they do that but yeah um I imagine it's being heavily polished right now. I am, of course, looking forward to Hitman 3, which I'm sure will be available on all good consoles and some bad ones as well. Um, yeah. So, you know. <laughs> That's whatever, January, but... isn't it? It is January. And and did you watch that trailer yet, Dave, where it kind of no. looks like a Knives Out type scenario? I need to. I forgot immediately after we stopped recording. Yeah. But yeah. I think my first two purchases are going to be Miles Morales and then Hit Hitman. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to do. But then I've also kind of, 
I'm I'm circling around and I know they're not on PS5, but I'm circling around trying to get a few games from this year that I haven't got yet as well. So I think for the while, um, I'll be focused on Miles Morales. And then uh, as we head towards recording our Game of the Year episodes, I'll be hitting a few bits and pieces elsewhere. Like, you know, if I can get a... Uh, pick up like a ghost of shishima or something in a in a, in a deal or you know maybe Which, the by new... the way um broke the record this past week for the uh best-selling new sony ip of all time oh wow yeah. they seem like they're doing that quite a lot these days with yeah. stuff they're hitting uh, so, that, yeah. <laughs> pretty much i don't know if it's like that it's actually genuine or if they're like hitting certain milestones in certain areas well, so they i, can I suppose I suppose with the pace that the PS4 is selling at, it makes sense that they're hit, smashing these records all the time because that yeah. player base is just massive at this point. Do you know, though, my favourite stat from this week was uh, for the last 23 months, the top-selling console at the end of each month in America has been the Nintendo Switch. Get in. Right? <laughs> Yeah, twenty three months. So one month shy of two years, and in that month is the month that the new Xbox and the new PlayStation come out. So you know, <laughs> Nintendo are just like, oh man, <laughs> <laughs> getting killed. <laughs> so close. Like they um, were like they were like one month away from having two years to be the most <laughs> successful console. So yeah, PS4 still selling well, but uh, Switch, uh, they have astronomical success. Yeah. Um. I think uh, it's worth noting just before we finish the show, a, a nice tip that came in from friend of the show, Barry Murphy on Twitter uh, during the week is that if you don't have uh, an idea when you're going to get a PS4, if you get the PlayStation app for your phone, you are able to use that app to get your PlayStation Plus games for PS5 uh, into your library before you get the console. So if you don't think you're going to get in November and then you're going to miss out on bug snacks for free on PlayStation 5, you can go on the app and get that added to your library now so that it will be there when you get your PS5, which was uh, a nice little touch that I would have thought Sony themselves might have mentioned, but no. Oh, well, at least Barry knows. Yeah, at least Barry. Barry's in the know uh, yeah. and he's sorted us out. Anyway, that's going to bring the show to an end for this week. Uh, thanks very much for listening in. At Link to the Cast is where you need to go on Twitter to keep up with the shows as they're posted, to interact with us about the news stories we talk about, recommendations you might have, things you've enjoyed on the show, and what have you. Individually, I'm at the day to Dave. Mark is at Mark Robinson X2. Jack is at Jack Lazell. Uh, as I say, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you all again next week.